It was a podcast I was listening to that actually sparked the thought for what I want to share with you this morning. And it was a podcast with a chef, Ben Shuri, if you know. He runs a... He's the head chef of a pretty big restaurant in Melbourne called Attica. And there was an interview with him, and he was talking about what makes like awesome restaurants, awesome. And he was talking about different things and like there's innovation. He's got a high level of excellence in what he does. He's bringing incredible food to that world. But he's made this statement in it, which I, I just grabbed onto and I thought, wow, that's interesting. In to talking about rest in the restaurant world, he said to be super elite, to be super elite is to be super consistent. That was what he said was the main thing in the restaurant world. To be super elite, to be at the top of the game in that restaurant world is actually to be super consistent. It's not about the fancy food you're producing. It's about being super consistent. I grabbed onto that because consistency is not a glamorous word. It's not something that we talk about, that we rave about, we live in a world where the focus is always on the next big trend, the next big exciting thing. Consistency isn't something that's talked about, really, if you think about it. You're not saying, oh, that, that place is just so consistent. That's not really the first thing that you're raving about when you're talking about things in the world. Think about everything. Think about technology. We might have the a perfectly working phone. It's great. But we're always focused on what's coming next, right? There's the new iPhone that's about to come, it's come out now. But there's always something else bigger and better and so we're always chasing after that. Fashion, same thing. It's always about the next trend. I find it amazing that the trend at the moment is what was my like awkward teenage fashion. Do you guys notice that? Like, well, for me in my age, I look at it and go, that's what I was wearing when I was an awkward teenager. But it's, that's the trend that it's at the, moment, at the moment. Fashion is something that's always up and down, up and down. Think about jobs. People a lot nowadays are looking for kind of the next job that they're going to do as opposed to looking for the long-term career. They're kind of jumping from one job to the next to the next and they're not looking at the, the long-term we have social media at the moment that is all-consuming, but it's just a, a giant highlight reel of people's lives, right? It's just this highlight reel of all the best bits, the best of the best, and you don't see the everyday. You don't see what people are going through from day to day. It's just the, the best. I'm guilty. I don't post often. I wait until I've got something worth posting. I'm right in there. I've been sucked in to the whole plan. But is that not the truth, that we are always looking, the world is giving us, they're putting importance on all of that next big thing, the next trend. They're dictating to us what's important. And in doing so, we discredit and undervalue the steady, consistent path set before us in our striving for all the big things. Yeah, we're always looking to, oh, 
What's that big thing up there that I want to achieve? What's that other big thing over there that I want to do? Oh, that's exciting. I'm going to run over there. And in doing so, that steady path that we've got before us, that we all have to walk, that steady daily path gets undervalued. Who goes to work on a Monday and you get asked, oh, what did you do on the weekend? And your first thought is, I didn't actually do anything, but I can't say that. Um, and you try and make something up. You feel a little bit embarrassed if you didn't do something amazing on the weekend. I want to be at a place where I can say, I kept my kids alive this weekend. I fed them and I got to the bottom of my laundry basket. I want that to be celebrated. I want that every day, a little bit mundane, but it's steady and it's achievable and I did it. I want that to be like, good on you, you did that. But we kind of aren't in that world. So today, if you would let me, I want to unpack the unglamorous today. I want to talk for a moment about the things that are seemingly unpopular and that might be labelled a little bit boring. Is that okay? I'm going to dare to say, though, that I believe it's also the most elite way of living. It's a big call, Cassie. I'm going to say it. To be super consistent is to be super elite. To be super elite is to be super consistent. So we're going to talk about a life of consistency, the unglamorous today. So what is consistency? It's an adjective. It's a describing word. It's, the, it's acting or doing something in the same way over time so as to be accurate, not containing any contradictions. These words, these are exciting words, guys. Synonyms are steady, stable, constant, regular, predictable. You're all going, oh, it's not that exciting. I said it was not glamorous. It's not glamorous. This is interesting, though. If I keep going, it might get a little bit more exciting. So don't walk out just yet. Other words... Undeviating, unswerving, unwavering, dependable, reliable. They're a little bit more exciting, right? They're the sorts of words that we want to have in our life. Not so much regular, although we do want to be regular. We want to be constant, but I want to be reliable. I want to be dependable. See, the thing is, consistency often isn't talked about until it's not there. So think about that with, in the restaurant world. People don't talk about a restaurant necessarily being consistent. Oh, they're always, they're just so consistent. You've got to, you've got to go. They will talk about a restaurant that's not consistent. You go once and it's great. You go the next time. Oh my goodness, what happened? Did they change owners or something like that? Have you experienced something like that? And so this place that you loved and enjoyed is all of a sudden not so consistent anymore, and it's like, ah, so you're talking about it, but not in the right way, right? We, this example, we had a great restaurant that we loved. Damon and Beck got married earlier in the year, and we gave them a voucher for this restaurant as a gift for their wedding. So excited for them to go. They hadn't been there, and it was one of our favourites. I'm like, great, perfect gift. They go, 
And I said, they went on a Saturday, I think, next day at church. I said, how was it? Like, good. Well, that doesn't sound good. What happened? I'm like, ah, uh, well, it took about an hour for our entrees to come out and our drinks didn't really come out in time and then it all came at once. I was gutted. This favourite restaurant of ours that I had talked up was like, got to go. They were inconsistent. When someone else went, they weren't delivering what they had in the past. So now I'm a little, I don't want to go back. I'm a little bit put off. Inconsistency is talked about. Not in a good way, though. So if I'm not being consistent, the opposite must be true, right? The antonyms for consistency. Unsteady, unstable, irregular, unpredictable, wavering, undependable, unreliable, not pretty, right? Not the sort of characteristics that I would want to have in any relationship. Think of your work relationship, marriage relationship, any relationship you've got. You don't want someone that you're relating to to have those qualities, right? Undependable, unreliable. So if I don't want those sorts of qualities in the people around me, I sure as heck don't want to have those qualities in my own life, right? I don't want to be defined by those characteristics. So are we getting the picture that consistency, although an unglamorous and not so much a popular word, is actually more important than we would actually initially think? The Latin origin of the word consistency, this is good, it says standing firm. If you've read your Bible, does that sound a little bit familiar? We've heard that phrase a little bit more, haven't we, if we've read our Bible before? It is a repeated commandment in the Bible, standing firm or to stand firm. In Ephesians 6, it talks about putting on the full armour of God and standing firm. 1 Peter 5, standing firm in the faith. 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. 1 Corinthians 16. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 2 Thessalonians 15. Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you. This is a consistent commandment in the Bible to stand firm. We could replace that word, standing, those words, standing firm, with consistent. God is calling us to be a consistent people, a reliable people, a dependable people. This should be a goal that we have on the daily. God, help me to be consistent. In Luke 21, Jesus himself gives this commandment. He's talking about the signs of the end times. So it often, it's not the, all the words in the lead up Stand a little, sound a little bit bleak, but in verse 19, it says, Stand firm and you will win life. I like the, trans, the Passion Translation. It says, Stand firm with patient endurance and you will find your soul's deliverance. 
Stand firm and you will win life. That sounds good. I want to win life. I want to know how to stand firm. It's more valuable today than the world would have us think. They may diminish consistency. They may diminish it in the search for the next big thing. They want to keep us buying new stuff and and reaching for something that's just a little bit out of reach. That's what the world would have us do. But that consistent life is so much more valuable than we put value on. So we're going to look at how to do that today. It comes with a warning because consistency is actually hard. (laughs) It's not easy. It's actually easier to get thrown around by what life has to give us. We come, it comes with the highs and the lows. You think of life as a roller coaster. We get on and we go up and it's great, but then we come back down and something else happens and we get hit. Sometimes it feels easier to just go with the flow, wherever life may take us. Standing firm requires a little bit of gusto. It requires a little bit of perseverance. So it is going to be hard. But I've got some keys for us today. You go, yeah, great, I love keys. Yeah? The question is, like, it's all good and well to say be consistent, but consistent in what, ultimately? Because the five-star restaurants, the top, they're consistent. They're, they're consistently excellent. But you know who else is consistent? McDonald's. It's actually one of their three values. Consistency is the first. Consistency is their first value and what they put for their success. Consistency, innovation and something else. I stopped at the first one. Consistency. So McDonald's is also consistent. Consistently average, but it's consistent. You know when you open that burger box, it's going to be consistently different to how the picture looks, but it's consistent. So what are we going to be consistent in? You can be consistently lazy. You can consistently, you know, let people down. I have a son. He's 11, Lincoln. He's a good kid. No, he really is. He's a good kid. But he's developed a love for something that I don't know that I'm that excited about. I don't know where it started. I think it might have started with a remote control cockroach, about that big, and it comes with a remote control. So it started by him positioning this cockroach under the oven, and then from around the corner, He waits till I'm there, doing my cooking thing. Out runs this little cockroach. I scream. He has a laugh. So at the age of four or five, he's like, I'm onto something good here. So this has progressed. He, I don't know, I would say his dad helps him a lot with this. So there's a good reason we're going to Alpha Marriage Course on Sunday nights. But he has, he has a variety of toy snakes, little plastic bugs, spider, 
got all of those things. We went camping once and he learnt that Beck, we went with Damon and Beck, he learnt that Beck hates snakes. So during the day he went in and positioned it under, like in a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. So later on at night, kids went to bed early. He doesn't even care if he's not there to hear the, the response. It's good enough if in the morning he wakes and goes to dad, did I get it? Did it work? That's enough for him. But we all go to bed. Beck took ages, I don't know, getting changed, going to the toilet. We're all nearly asleep and we hear this blood-curdling scream. Like she is, yeah, lost it. It wasn't just like a little, ah! It was, it was big. and So we're in our tent laughing because it's hilarious. But yeah, so this is Lincoln. It's, it's progressed. He went to the markets with Adrian a few weeks ago and they found, you can only get them at the markets because I don't think they're legal anywhere else. It's a box of little cracker things. They're like, like little explosives and they're filled with shrapnel stuff and you throw them on the ground, they make a giant bang and then little bits of like rocks fly out. It's not, you can't buy it at Toy World. You have to go to the markets. I didn't know that they had got these. They got them at the, at the markets. I'm watching TV. Lincoln's gone to bed, so I thought. And I hear like a, a bang. Adrian's in the shower. I hear a bang. I said, what is that? Lincoln? I knew it was Lincoln. You just know. Lincoln, what is that? And he's like, nothing. I'm like, what is it? Because nothing. It was quiet for a little bit longer. Lincoln, tell me what that was. And he, he comes out. He's had to think about this process. He comes out. He goes, look, I got some crackers at the markets with Dad, and I was going to try and sneak up on you, and I dropped one in the hallway. <laughs> I'm like, well, serves you right. All is fine. He goes to bed. Later on, hour or two later, I go to bed, go to the toilet before... I'm going to go to bed, sit down on the toilet like you normally do. The biggest bang I have ever heard, I am lucky I didn't die. <laughs> it was the loudest bang and I don't know, I didn't know what was happening, I didn't know where the bang was coming from. My pants are at my ankles, like you're going to the toilet, you're in a pretty vulnerable position. The little cheeky guy had made up one lie <laughs> in order to conceal the real prank, which was he's lifted the toilet lid, he's positioned four of these things under the rim, he's set up a toilet roll so that as he lowers it, it doesn't set them off until I sit down on it. Set off, gone. So again, he was asleep at this point, he didn't care. He was happy to wake up in the morning and go, Dad, did I get her? And Dad's like, you got her. So he's developed this wonderful habit. <laughs> he's consistent with his pranks to the point where I consistently have to lift the lid and just check every time I go to the bathroom because I can't trust the little guy. So we could be consistent in all sorts of ways. But how are we to be consistent? Ultimately, the only example of true consistency is Jesus. He is the only one that we can look to as the complete epitome of consistency. Hebrews 13, verse 8. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a truth that we can lean on, hey? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Perfect example of consistency. Thank God we've got that example before us and that we can walk in his footsteps. There's a great passage of scripture and that's what I want to look at today. It's in Philippians. We're going to read a little bit from chapter 1 right through to chapter 2. If you've got your physical Bibles, I'm a, I'm a practical person, a visual person. I like the practical and we're trying to teach in kids, we're teaching them where to find things in the Bible and all the rest. So I'm a little bit thrown when one of the older kids comes with their phone. And they're like, you're going to win the race because we have little races on who can find things the quickest. They just go, dun, 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 found it. There's something about the physical Bible that I would encourage you to hold on to and to keep as we're getting into a technical world where there's always another option. I love the physical, so I encourage you. Bring your physical. I know it's a little bit cumbersome, sometimes in your bag on a Sunday, but you guys are great. Just put it in your bag. You'll be fine. Give a bit of context. Philippians 1. So this is a letter from Paul to the Philippians church. He's in prison, and they've sent him a gift, a monetary gift, and he's writing back to say thanks for that, and he's going to give a little bit extra, a little bonus in his note of thanks And there is some great stuff in here that we're going to pull apart a little bit. But the the main gist, the the centre of this letter from Paul is kind of a poem as such and it's talking, it highlights Jesus' life. It gives a little summary of Jesus' life coming all the way through to dying and then from that is a bunch of little essays where He's reminding us that our lives are actually a, an expression of Christ's life. So as he looks at Christ's life and what he's done, he's also giving us some little tips. Remember that you are following him. And so he gives us these little excerpts. And we're going to look at some of those today, if that is okay. I keep asking permission. I don't know why. <laughs> what happens if you say no? I'm going to keep going anyway. All right. So we're going to look at Philippians 1, verse 27, and we're going to read from there. This is in the NIV version. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, chapter 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We're going to pause there. When we're looking at being consistent and the question poses, being consistent in what? My first key would be 
Be consistently together. Chapter 1, verse 27. Stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Be consistently together. We were never created to stand alone. Never. It is almost impossible, I would say, to be consistent when you're by yourself. Look at, look at you know, anything, exercise, whatever it might be. How much harder is it when you're by yourself as opposed to when you are with someone else? Has anyone seen the TV show Alone? Alone? It's a great show. The con- concept is 10 people get pulled together. They're allowed to take 10 survival items and a few other sort of basics. They then get sent out and dropped to remote areas and the first few seasons are in uh, Vancouver Island. They all get dropped at a separate place all around Vancouver Island. They, they won't be able to reach one another and they get their own camera and they get taught how to use the camera and everything. So it's a reality show but there's no actual filmers, there's no f- camera crew. It's literally just these people with the camera and their 10 survival items and the The game is whoever lasts the longest and they kind of just keep it open. It's a great show and in Vancouver Island it's really good because there's bears and things like that so it's a little bit like, are they going to get eaten by the bear? I don't think they would because, you know, it's a show, they wouldn't show that, it's reality. There's always that risk that's there and they have to survive. They have to find their own food, their own water and they have to survive and it's whoever lasts the longest and they film themselves. So it's an interesting show if you're into like camping and stuff like that because you're watching how they're putting everything together and what do they put value on, how do they you know, build their shelter and, and once you've watched a couple of seasons, there's pros. You kind of get to know, oh, see, they're using all of their energy to build their shelter and then they're going to have, have nothing, no energy left to find food. So it's this balance that they've got to find. But you know what? Oh, important part of the show, they have a satellite phone. And so when they've given up, when they've gone to the end of their limit, they call and say, I'm tapping out, and someone will come and pick them up. So that's how you just tap out, and it's whoever lasts the longest. I think the longest has been about 100 days out in the bush. But isn't it, it's quite funny that nearly all of them, when they tap out, the thing that they say that was the hardest isn't, I just I couldn't find any food or my shelter, I just kept getting wet. It's not that. It's that I couldn't stand the loneliness. They couldn't stand being alone. This whole experience that they had, being alone and completely alone and not a soul in sight, that's what makes them tap out. Because we weren't created to be alone. There's something in us that's like, no, we are not designed to live a life of solitude. That was never God's intention. We are called the body of Christ, not the individual body part next to another body part. We are the body, one collective body of Christ. That's how we were created. So what does being consistently together look like? I would say 
being a part of a community is the first step. And I would say the church is ultimately the greatest community you could ever be a part of. In my experience, there is nothing greater than the community community of the body of Christ. Matt talked about that today. The community that you will find here is going to be greater than any other community because we have this one spirit, this one purpose together. And what God and the Holy Spirit can do through this body together where we encourage one another, where we cheer each other on, where we serve together, we fight together, we have highs and we have lows together. In my experience, it has been the greatest community ever. So I am big on the church community. I believe that being a part of this on a consistent basis will be one of the greatest things that you can do for yourself and for others. So you need to surround yourself with people with the same spirit. Chapter 2, verse 2 said, being one in spirit and of one mind. If you think about standing firm and trying to stand firm, if I've positioned myself and I'm standing firm and I've got the goal in front of me and that's my goal, I'm trying to be consistent, I'm doing everything I can. If there's someone else next to me or behind me that's pulling in a different direction, it makes it almost impossible for me to stand up, right? If I've got myself positioned the enemy's coming or something's coming in front of me. For me to be able to stand strong, I need people alongside of me facing the same direction with the same challenge in front of us. Our arms are linked. We then become this incredible unit that's not going to be swayed left or right. We're going forward. But if someone's behind me and pulling the other way, how much harder is that making my job? It is almost impossible to stand firm in the faith if there's people in my life that are constantly pulling me in a different direction. So you need to ask yourself, and it might be a hard question, who is in my world? Who is in my community? Who am I being consistently together with? And are we going in that same direction? Are we of the one mind? Are we of the one spirit? Or is there a different spirit that's trying to pull them away, that's therefore going to cause me to be pulled away from what I have in front of me? It might be time to cut some of those people free, to let them run their life so that you can fully run where you need to go to be able to stand firm. There's a show called Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. If you've seen it, it's, again, a documentary. But they look at... Have you heard of the Blue Zones before? Blue Zones are places around the world where... The average lifespan of people is above... So the percentage of people living above 100 years is greater than any other place in the world. So they've been defined as blue zones. There's a few areas in the world where more people than anywhere else in the world are living past 100. So people are going and studying these blue zones. What have they got going on? There's something good there. Is it the water? Whatever it is, let's, let's get on it. And so... This show says Live to 100. It's on Netflix. Recommend it. Secrets of the Blue Zones. But they're in Okinawa, and there's a concept that they have. They're interviewing a whole bunch of beautiful little 100-plus-year-old Japanese people. They're sitting there, and they talk about 
this concept called moai. They all have what they call moai, which is a committed social circle who originally came together to pool their finances and they would then help other people in need. That was the original purpose of it. But it's been extended now to simply be a group of people that come together. They put togetherness as a key for living past the age of 100. They say, what is your moai? Are you, where is your moai? That's what they're asking one another. You need to have a moai. You need to be part of a bigger body. You need to be connected. T togetherness is such a high value. They say, of course, you can't get past 100 if you don't have that togetherness. It's proven that loneliness will cost you about 15 years of your life. You are going to lose life. You're going to die sooner if you don't have that community around you. So there's more than just what we're achieving together. It's actually a physical thing. If we want to have a long life in Christ to be able to achieve more, find your community of people, be together and be consistently together. It can't be consistent or together one week but then three weeks of being alone or trying to do it on your own. Consistently find that community. Philippians 2, we'll go to Philippians 2. We'll keep reading. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The second key is be consistently humble. Consistency or standing firm, stability, it requires that our eyes be lifted off ourselves and focused outward. When I was growing up, I was a ballerina. I did ballet lessons for many years. And in order to do a pirouette, that's the little spinny thing, I'm not going to demonstrate it. But in order to do that spin and have that balance and be able to stand up, you had to spot your eyes. You had to look at something in the distance, focus your eye on it, out you go, and phew, and you kept, every time you spun around, you focused your eye back on that. If I looked down, if I looked at my hands or my feet or whatever it is, I don't have the balance. I go straight over. The only way you can stay upright, that you can stay firm, is when you lift your eyes up and position them outwards. You know, the self-help book category is one of the growest fasting fast? Thank you. One of the fastest growing categories of all the books. We are a people, a world at the moment that is hungry for how do I fix myself? How do I fix the problems that are going in, on in my life? Now, don't get me wrong. There's times when we need to look inwards, when we need to deal with stuff in our life that's going on. But Pastor Ed preached a great message a few weeks ago 
about discouragement. The best way to beat discouragement in your life is what he said to encourage someone else. The moment you lift your eyes off yourself and my problems and my challenges and start looking outwards at the people around me that need some help and we encourage someone else, we help someone else, it enables our problems to not get pushed down and hidden, but they become a little bit less significant in our life. Our perspective is shifted. Our eyes are looking up. I think of it like a vessel. If we're a, if we're a cup that's just constantly asking to be you know, filled up and fixed, then the gunk that's at the bottom of that cup is just going to stay there, right? You keep pouring into it. If we're, all we're doing is wanting to receive, like, oh, this book is going to give me tips on this and how to solve, if that just keeps going in, then the gunk's staying there. But as soon as we become like a teapot, oh, this is my kids' ministry coming out, as soon as we become like a teapot, right, where it's coming in, but then it's going out, you know what happens? Is all that stuff inside just gets flushed out naturally because we're allowing that flow to come into our life and to flow out onto others. And so the stuff that's going on in our life, God's able to deal with because our eyes aren't so focused on ourselves, but they're looking outwards. So we need to have that consistent daily mindset. What can I do for others today? Rather than, God, help me with this problem. Instead of waking up saying, God, I've got this problem and this challenge, help me. Say, God, who do you want me to invest into this today? What can I do for someone else today? And when we consistently have that outlook on life, I can guarantee that God will deal with what's going on. The challenges that we face will, will, will fade away. God himself gave up the throne, which was his right to humbly become human. His sole purpose was towards us. So what thrones, what positions are we holding on to that need to be given up in order for our eyes to be focused outward? What problems or worries are we consumed with that are keeping our eyes down to where we're missing the needs that are surrounding us? When we're looking down at, at that problem and we're worrying and we're concerned and consumed, someone with a need is right before us, crying out, and we're missing it because we're looking in. So let's lift our eyes up. Let that be a consistency in our life. That same program, Live to 100, as well as the Moai, they have what they call the Ikigai, which is their mission or their purpose. They make sure right to the end. They don't give up. They don't retire and then sit and do nothing. They keep a purpose and a mission right to the end, serving someone else, making something, still using their hands. They said in this documentary, they said if they lose their Ikigai, they die. <laughs> when you lose that mission towards other people, you die. A part of you, in, it, it just dies. So let's keep that alive today. Let's keep that focus outwards. Back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to keep reading from verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Key three, be consistently open to his purpose. None of this is about us. 
None of this is about us. We were created for his purpose. His purpose. And you know what? That gives me such a sense of relief. Is the weight not lifted off when I realise it's not about me? I don't have to carry this. This isn't my burden to carry. None of it is. It's his and he's carrying it and he's using me along the way. When we realise that it's his purpose, there's a freedom that comes with that. When we lose sight of his purpose, the things that are going on in, that, in the world around us become relevant. There's so much going on in the world. It's spicy out there. It always will be. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. It's not going to be crazy out there this week or this year and ease up next. It's always going to be spicy in the world around us. But we have a choice. Are we going to let it become relevant in our life? I'm not saying you're not aware of what's going on. Be aware of the world around us, but I'm not going to be directed by it. I'm not going to be motivated by it. It's not what moves me. I'm not going to be swayed to and fro. I'm not going to let a highlight in the world out there have me on a high, but then when something bad goes on, I'm not going to let it drag me down because it's not the world's purpose. It's God's purpose that I'm living for. So my eyes are set outwards. They're set on his purpose. The rest, it's happening. It's happening around us, but I'm not going up and down with it, yeah? I'm consistent. I've got that path set before me, and that's the path that I'm going to walk on. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. Consistently, daily, position yourself on the truth of God's word. It's the only truth that we can rely on. It's the only thing. There's nothing else that we can stand on firmly in full confidence other than his word, than his truth. So are you getting that in yourself daily? Daily, are you filling yourself with his word, with his truth, enabling you to stand strong in that? Or is it a bit sporadic? You've got a truth this week, but then next week you kind of let it slide. You're not in your word, you're not here at church, you're not filling yourself with his truth, and so it goes down a little bit, and all of a sudden the things going on in the world start to have their place and we're getting swayed to and fro until, oh, hang on, I'll read the word and I'll get in there. You know what? We can't be up and down with things and expect to be able to stand firm consistently. It needs to be a daily thing in our life. Chronicles 16 verse 11. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. The message version says, study God and his strength Seek his presence day and night. There's no greater strength. I can't do this in my own strength. It's only his. I'm going to seek God and his strength. I'm going to seek his presence day and night. Let that be that consistent consistency in your life. I'm going to get the band to come up. I'm going to read Philippians 2. We're going to jump down to 14. It says... Do everything without grumbling or arguing. It's not actually my point, but I would recommend writing that down because it's really good. (laughs) Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast 
on the day of Christ that I do not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. My fourth and final key is to consistently praise. Consistently praise. We sung, sung, sung a song. We sung a song last week, guys. We sung a song last week. It says, I still have a reason to praise. Praise, praise. It goes on. Praise. We consistently have a reason to praise. No matter what is going on, you always have a reason to praise. And you know, when you do, it's through that praise that your eyes are lifted up. The situations can feel heavy at times. There's stuff going on. But when you consistently put yourself in a position of, God, I am praising you through this. I am lifting you up. Our eyes automatically become lifted up. The things going on, they don't carry the value and the weight that they once did. God is so much bigger. He is so much stronger and over it all. But as long as we're consumed in that ourselves, they're going to hold us back. They're going to grab a hold of us. So we consistently lift our eyes. We consistently will praise. Consistency in anything in life produces fruit. It will. It will. It's guaranteed to produce fruit. I have plants in my house and in the past... I haven't been overly consistent with them. And so I, I water them when they start to die. Does anyone else have plants like that? You start to water them when they may... It's too far gone, guys. Just let them go. Let them go. But I've developed something. For the last couple of months, I have now a consistent watering schedule. And every Thursday, I water my plants. I have thriving plants, guys because consistently I am watering them. I can guarantee you when there is consistency in your life, there will be fruit. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. James 1 verse 12. This is good. James 1 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. You could say who is consistent, who stands firm. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a promise. What a promise to those who persevere, to those who stand firm, to those who choose to be consistent in the things of God. I want to encourage you with that today. I invite you guys to stand up. I said at the start that the consistent path isn't necessarily the easy one. It's true. Consistency requires discipline. It requires resilience and perseverance. But the rewards of being deeply planted in God's truth are endless. When I have my feet dug in, when I am standing firm on his promises... The reward is the crown of life. Those around us will be blessed by our persistence, by our consistency. It's far going to surpass 
any high that the world may offer, that top of the roller coaster that looks so appealing that the world would want us to chase after, the rewards of that consistent life that God offers is far surpasses the, any heights that the world may offer because with the heights that the world offers, it also brings with it lows. I don't want to keep walking through those lows and highs. I want to have that consistent path that comes with incredible reward and incredible blessing. So with Jesus as our example, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think today. Let's go look at the things that Paul has taught us today, that Jesus has put on our heart. We're going to be consistently together. Who's in your world today? What community have you fixed yourself to? Are you of one spirit? Are you of one mind? Are there people that potentially need to be cut from that community in your life? We need to be consistently humble. We're going to lift our eyes upwards. We need to get over ourselves and focus on what God can be doing through us. So what things have been consuming you? What what concerns? What things have you been worried about that are keeping your eyes inward that need to be let go so that you can look around and see those around you? We need to be consistently open to his purpose. God, open our ears, open our spirits, open our eyes to see your purpose in all of this. Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts. Guide our words. Let his purpose guide your life today. And finally, we are consistently going to praise. It's a choice. God, we choose to give you praise through it all. Whatever situation, whatever is going on, God, we're choosing to praise you. And when you lift your praise to God, he becomes bigger in your life. Not the situations. He becomes bigger. God, you are the same yesterday, today and forever. We thank you that we can stand on you, that we can rely on you and you alone. So we choose today, we purpose in our hearts to position ourselves on your truth, on your rock. And we thank you, God, for the blessing that's going to come from that.